Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for how it teaches us. And we pray that you would now be the speaker. We pray that only those things that are according to your word may only those words be proclaimed. And we pray that your people might be diligent students of your word. May they search the scriptures to see what is true. And we pray then that whatever they find to be true, we pray that your spirit might encourage them to apply to their lives. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Now the Bible says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. You ever think about how your body works? Now let's just say Scott decides he's not going to leave up here. He decides that we're not going to have a sermon today. He's going to keep singing. I'm not going to take this lying down, so my brain sends out a message. Make a fist. So I slug Scott, and I knock him out with one punch. The police come up here and arrest me. They take me off to the police station. But after a couple of hours, Scott comes to, and being a nice guy, he decides not to press charges. So the police ask me to sign some papers. So remember, my fist is still here. So my brain says, open up. Wait a second. <laughs> Click. <laughs> that usually doesn't work that way. But you see a problem? Most of you can't see it. One of my fingers gets stuck. It's called trigger finger. It's just a finger. You know, you got a whole bunch of other fingers, right? So I reach for the pencil, and I discover that with a finger folded down like that, I can't sign it. So I got to use my left hand. I go home, and to get my mind off things, I decide I'm going to mow the grass. Desperation, right? So I go out to the mower, and I, reach, and I discovered this finger's getting in the way. So I got to use my left hand. There's a problem. Because my left hand is supposed to be holding down something over here. I don't know what it's called. I'm not a mechanic. I can't start the, I can't start the mower by just pulling it. I got to hold this thing down over here. So with this hand out of the commission, I can't do both things. So I can't mow my grass. Aww. This trigger finger, it, sometimes this hurts when I do this, so if I cry, there, it's all right. If one part of your body does not do its job, the whole body is affected. Now, 2,000 years ago, God became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. When people saw him, they saw God. They saw what God was like. Christ then lived for 33 years, and then he died for us and rose again, and he ascended into heaven. So in essence, people could say, well, we can't see God anymore on earth. But God had an idea. He decided that when someone becomes a Christian, his spirit might come down and indwell them. And as the Bible says, baptizes them into the body of Christ. 
one gigantic spiritual body. Can't be seen by eyes, but it's there nonetheless. So when the church is functioning as it should, when each person is using the gift or ability that God has given to them, the world should be able to look at the church and see God in it and be attracted to it. But even if one part does not do its job, then the vision of Christ is obscured and it's blurred. The church is the body of Christ. And the church is much, much more important than many people realize. Today I'd like to take a look at the church. Now, when I uh, told some people that I was going to preach on the church, they said that's impossible to preach and do one sermon on the entire church, on the church. There's so much to be said. And they're right. <laughs> but you know, nobody ever accused me of being wise. So we're going to try to do it today. I'm going to be skipping an, an awful lot. <laughs> I'm going to be skipping an awful lot, but I encourage you to search the scripture for, to, see, to see what the rest of it says. First, in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, shows how the church began. Peter preaches the first sermon. And the Bible says that on that day, 3,000 people were added to the church. Note, there, were no, there was no building that day. They couldn't be, they, wasn't, they weren't talking about a building. There was no organization. The people are the church. The church is not a Sunday morning club. The church is not a gas station where we can fill up, with our, fill up our spiritual tank. It's not a Broadway play where we can come and be entertained. It's not a drugstore where we can get relief from pain. The church is the body of Christ on earth. The church is all the believers together. Now, the Greek word for church in the New Testament means to call out of, to set apart for a special purpose. The idea is, uh, of all the people of the world, God takes some out, calls them out, and baptizes them into an entirely new body. That's what the church is. We are called out from the rest of the world. The church is made up of all men, women, boys and girls, different races, different colors, different shapes, different sizes, different personalities, different ages. The church is a group of people who have been called out of the rest of the world by God, and now they form one body. Now, if we would go down into the Amazon River Basin and find a Stone Age tribe there and decide that we're going to call them out and place that Amazonian tribe in the Arctic and call them Eskimos. They are going to have to change. They are different than what they used to be. And that's the same thing for us. God has called us out of the rest of the world and we need to be different. We need to realize that we are different than everyone else. We need to think differently. We need to act differently. In Acts chapter 9, verses 3 and 4, we find Paul is persecuting the church. And Christ appears to him and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You get that? He doesn't say, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting my followers? 
He's saying, why are you persecuting me? By persecuting his followers, Christ considers that persecuting him. He is alive in his people. Those who God has called out to be his people are united into one spiritual body, and they are the body of Christ on earth. So today I'm going to be using the words church and body of Christ interchangeably because they are interchangeable. Ephesians chapter 4 says Christ literally knits us together. Isn't that an interesting phrase, knitting people together? Think of a quilt. Different shapes, different sizes, different colors, and they're all knit together to make one piece. Christ knits us together as one body. In order for the church to function as one body, God gave every Christian a gift or ability to enable them to work as a part of the body. Just as our physical bodies have many parts with different jobs and yet all are needed, so the spiritual body of Christ, every member has a special gift, a special ability, and they are to use that gift in order to reveal Christ to the world. Jesus is the head of the church. So the members of the body need to listen to him, and they need to be guided by him. The body has many parts. Each part has its own job to do. I said that before, and I'll say it again. As a part of the body, if even one Christian does not actively use their gift or ability in the church, the church will be incomplete, and the world will not have a clear vision of Christ. Once a person becomes a Christian, they must find their place in the body of Christ and they must submit to the head of Christ and work together with the other parts of the body on earth. And then God will be seen in the world. We need to find the gift that God has given to us and we need to use it in the church. Now I got... uh, I've said some stories about my church on Long Island, so I'm going to mention three more people in my church there. I had one lady come to me, and she was new in the church, and she said, she asked me what she could do to help. And then she continued to talk and said that she was looking for her gifts. She said, I have 21 gifts of the Spirit, and I'm looking for more. I said, no, you don't. God is not dumb. He's not going to give you a gift when he's already given you one. If you're not using that one, why would he want to give you another one? She wanted more gifts just so she could brag about it. On the other hand, one summer, one early summer there, a young man came home from college, and one of the first things he did, he came to me and he said, He told me about himself. He said, I became a Christian in college. I worked at Campus Crusade. They discipled me, and I was a leader with Campus Crusade on my campus. And then he said, where do you need me? Plug me in. And after I fainted, (laughs) he became the youth group leader. And he actually brought another friend of his. And the youth group grew especially among the girls because they both were cute. (laughs) But you know what? I don't know if you noticed, but 
It's like if you build it, they will come. If you have girls coming to a group, the guys will come. <laughs> so the youth group grew. Now, around the same time in that church, a lady came to me, and she started volunteering for everything in the church. She told me she was looking for her gift, where she belonged in the church. She even sang a solo in church. Yeah. <laughs> that was not her gift. <laughs> On the other hand, I heard recently she's been the church secretary for over 25 years. She found her spot, she plugged in, and she did her job. She had the right attitude. That young man had the right attitude. They understood what it means to be a Christian in a lost world. A Christian left to himself can't do much to change the world. But when all Christians work together as we function as a united body, using our gifts in the body, using our abilities to build up the church, then nothing can stop it from changing the world. And quite frankly, I believe our world needs to be changed. We need to find our place in the body of Christ and to help it work as one body so that Christ can be seen. Now, I've heard people say Christians don't need to go to church to be saved, and they're right. You don't need to come to church if you're saved. But if you want to be right with God, you better go to church. If you're by yourself, you're going to die spiritually. And God has gifted you not to use a gift by yourself, but to be used in the body of Christ. We all need to be a part of it. Now, let's consider the unity of the body of Christ. Our physical body is united by our bones and flesh and ligaments and all that other stuff. What holds the spiritual body of Christ together? What do we have in common with each other? After all, we come from different backgrounds, and as, as you mentioned already. What draws us together? What holds us together? Ephesians chapter 4, verses 3 through 6. We have one body. When you receive Christ, you become a part of the body of Christ. All Christians together make up one body. We have one spirit. God's spirit indwells Christians. We have one hope. The church is a gathering of those who have hope in Christ's return. They have hope in the fact that Christ will return and take them to heaven to be with him. All Christians have the same hope. All Christians have the same Lord. Jesus died for us. He is our Savior, and thus he has become our Lord. All Christians have the same Lord, and he is the head of the church. He is the one who tells us what to do. We have one faith. As Jude 3 says, we, the faith that once for all was entrusted to God's holy people. Christ died for us, and everyone who puts their trust in him is our brother and sister. All Christians have the same faith. We have one baptism. Now here's where I'm going to get some, maybe get some people angry. But I encourage you to search the scriptures. Everything we believe needs to be found in the scriptures. Romans 6 clearly states that when we become Christians, God baptizes us into the body of Christ. He places us into the body of Christ. His under the water is our, symbolizes our death. 
resurrected is new life. The baptism of the Spirit occurs when you become a Christian. You are baptized into the body of Christ. The Bible does not say there are two baptisms. There are one baptism. We are all part of one gigantic body. Now, these are the things that unite us. If we change any of them, then there'll be division in in the church, and the vision of Christ will be obscured in the world. Each of us needs to discover the gift that God has given to us and find ways to use it to build up and bring life to the universal, invisible body of Christ on earth. Now, to make sure the body of Christ can grow, in Ephesians 4.11, we are told that God gives gifted people, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor-teachers. Ephesians 2.20 tells us the apostles and prophets were to lay the foundation of the church. 2,000 years ago, they laid the foundation These gifts are no longer needed. We don't need a new foundation. The foundation has been laid. Around 100 AD, after that, the early Christians mentioned the fact that there were no more apostles and prophets because the foundation had been laid. Sadly, in the last 20 or so years, there are some Christians in America who are claiming to be apostles. What they're saying is this. They're saying the first century church The first century apostles didn't do their job. They're saying that the church has existed now for 2,000 years without a foundation. And they are here here to build that foundation. Now, I discovered that there were two, there was a Greek word for this. Actually, two Greek words put together. Ba and loni. This passage says he gives evangelists. An evangelist is someone who has a gift to tell people how to become Christians. We've had the greatest example in Billy Graham. That's an evangelist. That's what the church needs is people like him. God also gives pastor teachers as a gift to build the church. And the Greek grammar indicates that the word pastor teacher in this particular case goes together. He is a pastor who teaches. He feeds the flock by teaching. That is the head pastor's job. When he does his job, he builds on the foundation laid by the apostles. And the people begin to grow spiritually, and they begin to use their gifts to help each other to grow even more. The pastor's job, as Ephesians 4, 11, and 12 says, is to teach the people so that they can do the work of the ministry. You get what he's saying there? I, I know most pastors do not like to be called a minister. It's not that we are not ministers. It's just that we are not the only ministers. Every Christian is a minister, should be in the ministry. We are all in the ministry of working for God, to build each other up, to help each other. As ministers, all Christians are gifted to build up each other and meet each other's spiritual and physical needs. You can never understand a church unless you understand these simple facts. We all have a job to do. And if one part does not do its job, then someone else is going to have to pick up the pieces. If Scott decides that he's not going to lead singing anymore, 
Josh is going to have to lead the singing. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> and you know what? If he's leading the singing, who's going to preach? Oh. <laughs> Where's Scott? Tell him to get out of here. <laughs> if, Scott, if, if Josh is leading the singing, he doesn't have the proper time and energy to do his job, which is to study God's word, to proclaim it to us. And the end result of that would be what? We will not grow as we should because he's wearing too many hats. We are all needed. We all need to do our job. Now the question is, why bother? A recent Gallup poll reveals that 50% of Christians are not interested in doing anything in the church. You got that? We feel we are too busy. And we are, aren't we? We're trying to make a living. Isn't sacrificing one hour a week, isn't that enough? What more do you want? Are there benefits of using your gifts in the church? Of becoming active? I believe there are two benefits. First benefit, when you use your gift, you're in obedience to the Holy Spirit. And when you're in obedience to the Holy Spirit, he begins to bring fruit into your life. Galatians 2.22 lists those fruit. And when we have those fruit in our lives, isn't that what we want in life anyhow? Isn't that what we want our life to be filled with? Isn't that why we have jobs? We want to have those things in our life? And God is willing to give it to us if we obey him. So if you use your gift in the church and obey the Holy Spirit in doing whatever he wants to do, and I'm saying the church, I'm not just saying this building here or this group here. I'm saying if you're busy using your gift to build up the body of Christ, then you can experience these gifts, these, this fruit. Let me just single out three of them. Love, joy, and peace. Now, recent research done by the Mayo Clinic has said that uh, love, joy, and peace, if these are a part of your life, that they dominate in your life, you will be healthier, you'll be happier, and you'll live a longer life. And isn't that what we all want? To, to do that? Isn't that why we have jobs in the first place? The love God gives us is a commitment to love one another no matter how the other person reacts. It says, I will love you. I don't care what you do. I will continue to love you. Love is a fruit of the Spirit. And as a fruit of the Spirit, it, can, it will never change or diminish. The non-Christian who does not have the Holy Spirit in their life cannot experience that depth of love. And so the world offers a counterfeit love, a different version of love. In the world, love is a feeling. It's a liver quiver, you know. It's, this is why the world can talk about, like the world says, you fall in love. Aww. And you know what? You can also fall in a ditch. <laughs> when you fall in a ditch, you can climb out. When you fall in love, you can get out of that too. It doesn't last forever. The world's idea, the world, what the world offers in love is here today and gone tomorrow. The love God offers is eternal. 
The only peace the world can offer is an empty promise that changes and disappears based on feelings and the things that happen around you. The wor- what the world offers is a peace that is temporary. The peace that God offers is eternal. Without the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, you cannot experience joy. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. The best we can expect in life is happiness. I'm going, doing a lot of word studies today. The, the word happiness is an English word, an old English word. It comes from the word hap, which means things that happen. The idea is happiness comes because things, certain things happen in your life. When what happens is what we want, then we are happy. Unfortunately, things in our lives do not always happen the way they, we want them to. And so happiness that we experience in life is fleeting. Here today and gone tomorrow. On the other hand, in the history of mankind, no one has ever been able to control everything that happens. No one has ever been able to control all the feelings that they have. Uh, but that doesn't mean that you can't do it. I'm saying this sarcastically, sorry. No one can control everything that happens. No one can control their feelings at all times. The love, the joy, the peace that God offers is eternal and unaffected by feelings and things that happen. By staying close to God and obeying Him and thus using the gifts and abilities God has given to build up the church of Jesus Christ. And again, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the universal church. We will experience the love, peace, and joy that comes from God. Now, while attending seminary in Chicago, I was in charge of developing a ministry for the senior citizens. And these guys were really old. They were at least 85 years old. They were not young like the rest of us. But as I was visiting the people there, they kept talking about one man, Art Jacobson. Everybody asked me how Art was doing. And I didn't know Art because Art wasn't going to church. It turned out that he was in his late 80s and he had a stroke and he was paralyzed. So I visited Art. He was a nice guy. He started to cry as he said, my mind won't let me read the Bible the way I used to. I miss it so much. He says, my mind won't let me pray the way I used to. And the tears continued to flow. And then he stopped. And a smile came to his face, and he said, but I still have the peace of God. That's what we're talking about. No one can question that these attributes are what we all crave in life. It's what the whole world craves. And we can experience them by living for God. We hold the key inside us. And by helping each other, we will begin to experience the fruit of the Spirit. And that brings us to our second benefit. We've been mentioning this all along, actually. Not only will we have a good experience, but we will change the world. If we all work together, 
Our community will show and reveal love, peace, and joy. And when people see that, they will be attracted to it. They will want it for themselves. And when they come to us and we can share with them what we know about God, then our communities will change. Our county will change. Our nation will change. Our world will change. Now, I hope my little talk this morning is not meant to lay a guilt trip on you. I'm trying to give you a pet talk. For your own benefit, find what God has given to you. Find the gift and ability God has given and use it to help each other. Build up one another. Use your gifts. Every male and female with various backgrounds, we all have a gift. We have many good teachers in this church, male and female, different backgrounds. Why, we even have an ex-prison chaplain. And once you meet him, you understand why he ended up in prison. (laughs) Rick, I didn't mention the name, did I? Oh, oh. All our teachers are committed to help you to grow. We don't teach just for the sake of teaching. We want to help you to become all that God wants you to be. We want to help you to use your gift and ability. To experience the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And to help change the world. Currently, I believe we have 18 groups in the church. 18 groups, and every one of those groups has a purpose. And it's the same purpose. We want to help you to grow. Each group is attempting to help you grow in your faith and to help you to find your place in the body of Christ. Now, if none of these groups are what you need, if you would like, think you need to study a different topic, speak up. Tell one of our leaders, and we will do what we can to meet your needs. Because we are here not just to teach because we like to teach. We are here to meet your needs so that you can find your place in the body of Christ. And we will try to arrange a group to help you. We teach for a purpose, and that purpose is seen in our mission statement. The stated mission of Grace Free Church is to reach the 118,000 people of Schuylkill County who are unaffiliated with a church. Boy, that sounds audacious, doesn't it? This little church reaching everybody in this county, 118,000. That's impossible. We can't do that. But... Nothing is impossible with God. Lifeway Research has found that 79% of unchurched in America are open to discuss their relationship with God. You get that? 79% won't mind talking to you about God. All you have to do is choose the right moment to bring it up. And you know what? What's interesting is if you live for God, and the Holy Spirit is in your life, and he brings about that fruit in your life, you are going to be attractive. People are going to say, how can you live this way? They're going to be open to what you have in your life. 
and that opens the door that you can then share with them. Anyone who says that reaching 118,000 in our county, county can't be done, they're wrong. It can be done. One person can't do it. One group of believers can't do it. But God's church can do it. His body can do it. If we all use our gifts, it can be done. And when we change our county, we will eventually change the entire world. So I encourage you, for your own benefit, find your place in the body of Christ. Help each other to grow to be more like Christ. Use your gift and ability. It's given by God, and he will help you to use it. You, do, you need to do this for yourself. You need to do this for a lost world that seems to be headed for destruction. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your word. We pray that your people might take your word and apply it to their lives. We ask in Christ's name. Amen.